2: I'm Ben O'Brien, and today for episode number 21, I'm joined by Jason Matzinger and Sam Sohol. You guys should know Sam Sohol by now. He's the bus driving, badass nomad that's been on the podcast a few times, one of my closer buds, you know, somebody who I love just having to ride along as many podcasts as I possibly can get him. He's a great dude. Uh, he's joined by his good friend and, and somebody he's worked with a lot, Jason Matzinger. Jason Matzinger is a Montana-born filmmaker, conservationist, uh, just a a great face in the hunting world. He's a sit ambassador, works with Yeti, does a lot of things in our space. And most notably points them all towards conservation. Uh, And that's why I think many other reasons Jason is an important voice to hear. So we caught up for a midnight beer drinking pizza eating podcast in Bozo, Montana, the night before the Total Archery Challenge. It's a great conversation. Uh, about wild sheep, about how to conserve them, about how to better message them for the wild sheep hunter. Uh, A lot, a lot of good stuff to dig into, so hopefully you do in episode number 21. Mm -hmm. Enjoy.
0: Shoot caribou.
2: Here we go, and we're on, gentlemen. Introduce
3: yourselves. Uh, Sam Soholt, photographer, bus guy.
4: Oh, oh. (laughs) bus guy. Oh, Uh, Jason Matzinger, host of Into High Country and Project Elk, Project (laughs) Mule Deer, and we're about to launch the Circle of Life. Ooh,
2: yes, that sounds good. Now, I always like to start. This will be fun. I like to start the podcast by describing where we are. Now. Uh, this, <laughs> this will challenge says will challenge your descriptive abilities but Jason give us a description of our current surroundings.
4: Well, I think it proves how dedicated we are. It really does. To yeah. getting it done. Um, you know, right now we are we got a couple white robes hanging on the wall. We got yeah. uh, a pretty big audience. Yeah. <laughs> and we found a quiet spot amongst, okay. you know, we
0: did
2: Amongst the chaos.
4: Yeah, it's chaotic out there. Total Archery Challenge is about to kick off. Yep. We're in Big Sky, Montana. It was a beautiful night, beautiful sunset. We had a photo shoot tonight. Yeah,
2: Yeah, you did.
4: And uh, just happy to be here. This is one of my favorite weekends all year. Of course, it's right in my backyard, and all the people that I love to uh, surround myself with are right here for a few days.
2: Especially Greg, who is on the bed uh we're just going to refer to him as only greg we only describe where he's from or what he's doing <laughs> greg's
4: <laughs> arrival has been highly anticipated by a lot of people yeah so i mean yeah so happy to have him he's here. a
2: bit of a big deal he's resting a coors light on his stomach as he, <laughs> <laughs> as he, as he lounges on a hotel bed
4: he's got the i think he's scouting though oh, is he he's scouting? looking at
2: maps looking at maps Scouting this yeah. his rat out for tomorrow. Because he, he Greg does not go by the course <laughs> no. markers. He goes whatever no. target he wants to go. The, go mountain. <laughs> yeah. the
4: mountain has always been Greg's treadmill. <laughs> 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 the first time I met Greg, he, that was the shirt he had
0: on. <laughs> it's been an ongoing joke ever since. <laughs> That's
2: a nice shirt. That's a nice shirt. Well, yeah, this is uh, the lovely, what's this called? The Huntley? The, the Huntley. Yeah. hotel shout out to those folks for making a hotel
3: yeah you're right up right yeah with next ac to- with yeah, say, yeah, yeah. yeah
2: that was okay several chairs and then a table yep which is good and yep. electrical outlets which are also helpful that does in this help situation. We, and were su-
3: we were supposed to do this in the bus yeah but we couldn't find a spot to park it where I could plug in <laughs> well <laughs> listen
2: <laughs> when you got a bus that's bus problems man. that's right yeah when yeah. you're living out of a bus sometimes you gotta make sacrifices I should have
3: bought a shorter one are you
2: gonna sleep in that bus tonight or no I might
3: yeah I might oh. I don't really wanna share a room with anybody yeah that's true yeah
4: yeah well i don't blame you yeah I mean, yeah a you lot see. Of i'll go
3: assess the situation the feeling is the...
2: definitely mutual trust yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> no the smell i know snoring and the smell <laughs> yeah. listen we're gonna get deep in the conservation talk but a pizza will be delivered at some point during the podcast yeah so maybe we'll have the pizza delivery person come in and, and make a guest yeah, ask as them well. some questions yeah hopefully see how they feel we're about hoping to get us some coupons yeah. based on our uh, promotion of the pizza place. What was well, Greg? What was the pizza place?
4: What I am excited <laughs> about is I've never had a pizza with wagyu beef on it.
2: Is that what we're getting? Yeah, yeah. They got a lot of what's it called? Pizza Works. Now Works is W E R X. I hope W R K S. Screw the vowels. Yeah, just <laughs> right to it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right well pizza works big sky montana thanks for providing we paid for it but thank you for bringing it what was the official name of that
3: pizza what kind the guido the guido and no yeah. offense to any mm-hmm.
2: guidos out there like, <laughs>
3: no, i <laughs> suspect it'll be a hell of a pizza
0: yeah <laughs> was, I, was it, wagyu what, beef. wagyu meatballs? beef
2: meatballs meatballs yeah mm-hmm. and interesting uh, a lot Are they got a lot of wagyu beef in montana yeah, probably so. Everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> you Just know, cows get massaged all <laughs> <True>. over Yeah. <laughs> National Forest.
4: Well, yeah. happy cows are good cows, you know. That's true. So, that's
2: true. One more point before we begin the real reason we're here Sam did say that every time we podcast together, we've been drinking and that we have to burp out the left side of our mouth to prevent away from the microphone away from the microphone yeah. so
3: so if, if any of you hear like a little bit of clicking or like mic noise rubbing it's just trying to shift the mic far
2: enough away so you don't burp. yeah because if you <laughs> listen as like a, uh, a two-hour conversation and like the fifth time that happens, you're like what yeah what was that yeah what's happening in there if you go back and listen to the lanai recap there's a lot of that. a lot of that i think we addressed it there as well yeah, i feel like we did. it's <laughs> only appropriate to address address that going into it yeah that there is Uh, there will be beer burps and it's Corona shout out to hopefully Corona will sponsor this podcast at some point Uh, I don't know why they wouldn't I don't know why either I'd go I'd do beach interviews I would wear a bikini I don't don't really care so um, sheep hunting is awesome Um, that's my segue I don't even have any real segue other than to say sheep hunting Um, Jason you you Got a great opportunity to draw a once-in-a-lifetime tag here recently. Twice.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity twice. Yeah, this is the, the second time. About right <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. kind of are yeah.
3: talking about. Tell us about that.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I drew a bighorn sheep tag in 2006 here in Montana. And... Uh, fortunately here in Montana, it's not once in a lifetime, you know, we've created enough opportunity for us to get back out there. So every seven years you can, uh, reapply. I had, I think four or so points, not the best at math, but it was somewhere right in there and, uh, drew again in one of the premier units in, uh, all of North America. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh. It's just one of those tags that's, um, you know, there's no words for it. It's yeah. it's as good as winning the lottery. You know, there's, the, like, when it comes to auction tags, the most expensive tag ever sold was for the chance to hunt bighorns in Montana. And that was in, uh, I believe, 2013 at the Wild Sheep Foundation. It went for $480,000. Yeah,
2: yeah so. I—, I Honestly, get chills just driving down the canyon here, along the Galton, and I just saw a sign that said sheep crossing. Yeah, and I was like, I a love kid. that sign. Yeah, I was like a little kid. I was like, I told my wife Hannah, look, look, a sheep crossing. She's like, whatever. <laughs> be quiet. What's that mean? I'm like, this, ah, there's sheep here. It's such. It's even to me, even to be in country where, especially in the lower forty eight, where you can run into a big horn, especially this magnificent country. Yeah, so for it. sure.
4: there
3: yeah, and a lot of times a lot of times around here you'll end up seeing them driving up they'll be hanging out right next to the road yeah I've seen that not in Montana but Colorado I've seen that yeah for sure
4: yeah no they're they're just such a you know iconic animal for North America and I you know I wish more people had the opportunity to actually uh, be around bighorn sheep because they are come in (laughs) yeah pizza arrive pizza guy's here
2: pizza guy's here
4: how's it going?
2: (laughs) We knew you were coming. (laughs) That's fantastic. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, man. That
3: was quick delivery, too. That was. Shout out to Pizza Works. Look at that. Don't
2: sell yourself short. Still, oh, man. That looks good. If the end of this podcast gets a little sleepy, you'll know (laughs) (laughs) we're about to eat some bread with hot meat on it. We're going to take turns like pushing the mic away and (laughs) 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 just like. damn all right this is getting good it's getting <laughs> good real early <laughs> i like this we're gonna need more beer though sam i think maybe how, how many, many we got you got there we got oh, no, no, a couple no. left at That'd least be all, right. be all right yeah um when that when you draw a sheep tag like that i mean what's your i mean what's your knowledge of the area like how much have you thought about that i mean is it's a dream tag but is it enough of reality going into that that you've already scouted and thought and understood what it is?
4: I mean, only because I had had it before. You know, the first time I drew it, I can relate to that because I didn't have a clue. I mean, you're going into no man's land. You know, I've always heard about the area I've you know, I've hunted around it for deer and elk, but I've never dug into it for sheep. So, you know, you got it takes a whole other brain when it comes to approaching a sheep hunt versus an elk hunt versus a deer hunt, even if you're hunting them in the same terrain. So, yeah, yeah it was all foreign to me. Um, I remember I started, the first thing I did was uh, I, Duncan Gilchrist's uh, video on how to field judge sheep was one of the first things I got at the time. Duncan was still alive and I ordered it from him. Um, great DVD that taught me a ton about... You know, cause the first time I went out there, every sheep looked giant, oh, like yeah. those ramp. I mean, they're just so impressive looking.
3: Yeah.
4: You know, until I watched Duncan's videos, uh, I didn't really get a grasp of how to break them down. Like, you know, an elk or a deer or something I had been around a lot. So yeah. there was definitely that, um, kind of side of it as just you know what was a young ram what was an older ram what are growth rings what are not growth rings just all of that but then you know the area itself um at that time you know there wasn't on x maps um fortunately the fishing game does send out map or did at the time send out maps to the tag holders and kind of gave you an area on where, or idea where to start and um from there it was just about digging in and just putting boots on the dirt, you know, and, um, started finding rams and one leads you to the other, which leads you to somewhere else. And, you know, next thing you know, you got a few, uh, few areas, uh, that you feel pretty confident
2: in. Yeah. What kind of ram are you looking for? You
4: know, any animal I hunt, it's just the one that gets me going. You know, it's not, it's no, there's no picture in my head of what that animal is. It's just, you know how it is when yeah, you're yeah. out there hunting and you're trying oh, yeah. to convince yourself that's the one, that's not the one, Yeah, you know? So for me, when I, when all of a sudden I see an animal and my heart starts beating and like, I like not even thinking straight, trying to figure out the next move or whatever, that's what I hunt for. Yeah. Can yeah.
2: you, ex- like, that's, that's a good thing to delve into a little bit. Of. It, and we should all try to explain it. Cause I don't know that you can. When you see an animal and your heart starts beating like, that's the animal I'm going to kill. A lot of times you can see, be like, that's the biggest elk I think I'll ever see on this piece of property or wherever I'm hunting or the biggest sheep I think I'll ever see. Of course you never know, but some, like you said, sometimes you just look at an animal quickly through the body and you'd be like, that's the one. Let's go. Shooter. Go. Now. Totally.
4: And I think, you know, it's a combination of the animal and the scenario. You know, sometimes it's just everything aligns and, and, You know, you just the bow goes off, and you really don't even, or the rifle, or whatever, and and you just and you look at each other like, what just happened? You know, just happened. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times that's with the scenario too. I mean, if you're in this epic location and you've maybe pre-scouted it and you've never been there, and then you end up in this spot, next thing you know, this animal just presents this beautiful, you know, uh, opportunity. It just hits you, yeah. you know? And it, it, it may be way smaller than you pictured it in your mind. It may be way bigger and you just get lucky. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think yeah. it's a combination of the animal, the point of the season in which you're at, the location. You know, it's just all these factors that just sort of just hit you, you know?
2: Yeah, I always wonder like how much social media and how much our expectation of what other people are going to how other people might judge what we do. Well, I'll
4: tell you with the (laughs) sheep hunt, that becomes real in a hurry, you know, elk antelope, anything else. It's not that, but when you get that tag, you start to, or any special tag that, you know, a lot of people would like to get, you start to feel like to some degree, you're hunting for everyone else too, you know, and we touch on this in the film tomorrow, like, or, or Saturday, sorry. Um, like you feel like you're kind of the ambassador for your friends because they live vicariously through you. And so you want to hunt as hard as anybody else would, and you want to get as good a sheep as anybody else would. And you want to, you know, work for it like anybody else. You want to earn it like anybody else, you know? So you do really, you know, that comes into effect for elk, for me, for deer, you know, I, I feel like it's not hard for me to hunt for me, you know, and I think that comes with, I've got great partners in this industry, you know, the, they're, they're. it's not the days of 15 years ago where you got to show X amount of minutes of a sponsor or anything Yeah, like my sponsors are great partners. They build great products and they, they just let me do me. It doesn't matter. You know, my first two episodes this year, Sam and I worked our tails off this fall and uh, i got the opportunity at a bigger bull than i've ever got in my life and i missed it and i made a two part episode out of it where we went home with nothing and yeah. and i'd love to be able to tell that you know and not have to feel any pressure of i've got to get x amount of animals or i've got to kill this animal or i've i told myself over 10 years ago when i first started doing this i will never kill an animal to make an episode if i'm not feeling it like what we're talking yeah. about it's just not going to happen yeah.
2: You know? Yeah. we talked a lot about uh, Steve Ronellas, one of his brothers, I guess Matt, talked to, came up with this idea, My, maybe not original to him, but of a, a purity score for hunting. And he's like, I just have a purity score. I could sit down in front of the animal and, like, what's the feeling? Like, what do I feel? How pure is this? Am I thinking, ah, I got him, but man, I'm not sure that was the right, I'm not sure it was, it was day two. Shit. Maybe it should have been day five, or maybe it should have been day seven. And for me now, hunting, I like to just if it, when it happens, sit down and like feel it, so that it feel right. Absolutely. Am I second guessing it? Am I thinking, <sighs> man, I don't think, I don't think people will think this is big enough. Or I'm not sure I worked hard enough. Or this, I got lucky. Shit, I don't feel right about it. And just judge that, and each time try to get to higher score, like just get to the next level. Uh, And like you said, when you're in this industry, I'm sure you and Sam, same way. You get all these invites. They're like, come on this hunt. It's a a dream hunt. You're like, well, what kind of hunt is it? It might be a dream hunt for you. I might think it sucks. Or I might kill a giant elk and feel like that was cheap. Yeah. I've done that a few times. You you kill like a a bull that as a kid I would have never thought that I would even got close to. And you shoot it and you're like, well, yeah, okay. Like that was awesome, but it
3: didn't. You, you like didn't earn it enough or something yeah was, yeah
2: or we were talking about we were making jokes coming in here like i love those diy guided hunts <laughs> from <there." Just> like, <laughs> the guides like shoot it and then from there it's diy <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, it all plays into it but at some level you know i'm sure a sheep hunt is is just a next level you amp up all these feelings and all the things that go into it it is it's
4: just everything is because I mean, I waited until there was nine days left in the season. We had been there almost 30 days filming, hunting. The camera crew was there more than me because I'd go back and see my boys and then come back and they would continue to get content and stuff. But like, it was, you know, when you have a tag like that, it's just, you've never hunted long. Like, you never want it to be over. The situation's never good enough. You know, you hold it on such a pedestal.
3: Well, I think the cool thing that you did last year with that sheep hunt is, so we went up and scouted for a few days in August, kind of right toward the end of August. And I, I mean, personally, I couldn't believe just sitting on one glassing knob and we were looking at all those rams, five, you know, five or six different sheep that were Boone and Crockett animals. I mean, just big sheep. I mean, the country is beautiful. And you got all these big sheep running around. But from day one, your whole goal with that hunt was to soak up every second of it and make it like let it last as long as it needed to last and like just embrace like the whole hunt instead of like okay i'm gonna go in there and like i'm gonna whatever it takes i'm gonna you know knock one down as early get the biggest sheep i can or whatever yeah Yeah. and that was never it it was always just like i'm just gonna go like this might be the last tag i ever draw in montana for sheep and i'm just gonna go let that just be in that moment for as long as possible yeah Yeah. and that was cool do you feel
2: doubly like i always as somebody in the industry who at some level, it's my job to go do stuff like that. Not sheep hunts, course, but just hunting in general. I feel like some, it's not a guilt, but it's just like a responsibility to enjoy this thing and to put all myself into it because there's a whole lot of people that would give anything to be doing.
4: Totally, that's exactly. Doing.
2: So you got that, and then you also have what we talked about earlier is the pressure of I'm representing everybody with this tag that would desire to do this or puts time and energy and money to do it. So you have that, the double responsibility of those two things at once.
4: Yeah, it's, it's really all the pressures you feel of hunting, no matter what it is, are just magnified on a sheep hunt. And I do appreciate, you know, you saying that, Sam, it was, uh, you know, I saw a lot of bigger rams than the one I got. And I'm not saying like by any means I'm upset with the one I got, but it, it always was about, soaking it up you know I wanted to really get to know sheep I wanted to really live in that country for as long as I could I wanted to really understand the animal well And,
3: and because you did that you were able to experience things last fall that people like even sheep hunters will probably never experience in their entire life like that whole scenario when you guys were on the boat filming those sheep like the one the sheep had a you know another sheep like basically buried in the hole like guarding it, and uh, you know, and then like ten minutes of oh. unbelievable sheep footage. I mean, I just got to see like little snippets of it, and it was—it's just crazy. Let's it's take insane. A, take a
2: quick break, <laughs> Greg. Uh, broke the seal on the pizza. What are we feeling? We feeling good on that? Is it good? Wagyu. Wagyu. It, it's hard to eat with the microphone. We'll have yeah. to take turns eating while someone else is talking. Yeah. Uh, apologies to the audience, but this looks really good. <laughs> we're about to eat it anyway go ahead sorry (laughs) oh no
3: it was just um because you know you spend that much time out there you you give yourself the amount of time you give yourself the opportunity to have things happen to you yeah for sure yeah instead of rushing through it and just being able to appreciate the whole hunt
4: you know it's uh it's funny because every time I've ever dedicated myself like full on to one of these big films for conservation organization, I always feel like I get blessed with opportunity I wouldn't have. yeah, yeah, you know, it may sound weird, but like right after we decided to do Project Elk, amazing things started happening. And I don't know if it's because I was focusing more on that animal, but I'm just like, I just felt like they were these gifts, you know, like, oh, you're going to, you know, you're doing something good here. Look at this. Yeah. And like what Sam's talking about, I mean, you'll see it in the yeah. film. It's uh, nine different rams had one you and she, she wasn't ready to breed. So she went in this tiny little hole in the side of the mountain and she wouldn't come out. And this one big ram wouldn't leave her alone, but he wouldn't let any of the other rams get near her as well. You know, and so it's this whole scene of him bashing heads with other rams, running around the circle, trying to get in there with her, trying to get her out. Uh, Another ram actually gets in there with her when he's chasing another ram off, and he comes back and just starts pounding on him, and it's just an insane scene. And finally, he like hooks his horn behind her horn and basically like drags her out, and she's got no choice; she just takes off up the mountain, and this whole like minnow trail
2: of rams trying to follow (laughs) her up the mountain is just just tell me you guys put like yakety sacks in the background but now oh it it was was just yeah it's stuff like that incredible yeah you just can't there's no way to describe you know getting to a place far away from everything and seeing something like that yeah
4: it was it was one of the most memorable experiences i've had
2: of you know being out there how far away from that were you
4: Couple hundred yards,
2: yeah. That's and like Sam says,
4: you know, like these Rams. I mean, we're passing up Rams that would easily make the record book. Boone and Crockett, Pope and Young, whatever. Like every day, you know, you're not you're not looking at just any ram. These are, you know, the the you know new hunter harvested world record ram came just out of an
3: area north of where
4: i was hunting last yeah. year or so well
3: because what's the we talked a lot about the average amount of days that a sheep hunter in montana will hunt before they kill a sheep and it's like three surprisingly days surprisingly low it's, yeah it's like three days yeah it's like because because there's like the population is growing and there's all these big rams and guys can go out and hunt for a few scout, days scout they'll scout yeah, scout a little bit and that, then you yeah. find a few i mean you can get on a good knob and you can find a good sheep and then you go in there and you can kill a Boone and Crockett sheep yeah, I mean, in a couple days. First mor- first day Sam and I went scouting, we saw
4: I know one of the rams was, I know two of the rams we th- saw that day ended up being taken by other hunters and they were, you know, yeah. 190 inch plus <sighs> rams, yeah. you know.
2: You gotta feel, you know, the only sheep hunt that I've been a part of was in Northwest Territories this last year and it felt it sucked. It was a wonderful hunt. I didn't have the tag obviously, but it felt like because you were limited in days, a lot of those hunters ended up going there and then coming back the next year or Mm -hmm. going home for a month and coming back, you know, they're they're hunting 10 days and and not getting it done. It just felt like that arbitrary, what seemingly arbitrary amount of days that the outfitter decides, well, that's your days. Yep. Or that's how much these, this many days cost. It seemed like, man, that sucks. Man, that sucks. Yeah. Because around day seven, you're just like that feeling that you get when you see the one gets to be pretty artificial. You're like, man. it Yeah. You you have to. But for you, you could go home, see your kids, dedicate yeah. your time and do it the right way. Which yeah. Which is, the fact that you were dedicated to filming all that, I think is, a, you know, it's quite the gift for everybody that gets to watch that film.
4: Oh, man. I mean, I feel like the lucky one, though. And uh, I'm just excited for everybody to see the film. You know, it... Uh, Turned out great. I've kind of got choked up, you know, every time I watched it here in the last, since we've gotten it polished and just can't wait for it to come out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember you were, when you were doing it, you were like, well, we've been out here 27 days. (laughs) Probably should have shot one on day like six, (laughs) but I'm an insane human. (laughs) Now there's, there's, I just, there's just levels to hunting in my opinion, there's like what you're willing to do, what your true dedication is to it and how you display that's important. Yeah. Especially for guys like yourself and Sam same. you know, that people are watching to see and they're looking for, I think, especially on social media nowadays, people are looking for inspiration. Yeah, for sure.
4: I mean, there's so, so much garbage out there, not, you know, necessarily in any one area. It's just, just a lot of noise in the world negative for the most part you know you flip on the news it's negative you look at the newspaper it's negative you know it's just so refreshing to see people out there living this life in beautiful places and doing what they love and you know I think it is inspirational for people and and you know there's definitely different levels and whatever level that is that you know gets you out there I think that's great you know legal ethical there's a there is all kinds of different levels you know if you want to uh hunt a water hole or if you want to hike to the top of you know the biggest mountain around you can do that here and that's the beauty of it so there's something for everybody and and um yeah we live in a great place for it all montana Yep. Good Lord.
3: And we are right in the middle of it right now. What a wonderful place. It's hard for me not to laugh. And you're like, you know, right in my backyard. It's technically right in my backyard, too, where we're at. I just don't spend much
2: time here. (laughs) Yeah. Let's, let's, you know, let's stop for a minute and just.
1: For all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Meeater. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where Land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to Land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. Sam,
2: like, when are you going to settle down? Like, well, I, Jason and I are a little bit just concerned. <laughs> have, we haven't talked about this, but I'm just assuming he's I also. Like, concerned. I feel like you're not the only people that are concerned. I, I've been living. Yeah, I've been it. talking to your parents. And, some... uh,
3: <laughs> trying to think of what somebody called me. Or, uh, what did Steve call me earlier? He's like, "You have a home base, or are you just a hobo traveling hunter? traveling gypsy?" Tra- tra- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, or hobo, no, it was a hobo, hobo, hobo hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at some point, I think I gotta. Um, I mean, I love all the travel and stuff and love what I've been able to do, but at some point, I'm going to have to slow down a little bit. At least, I mean, well, you I'll know. probably never stop traveling and I'll never have like a normal job probably, yeah. but um, it's been fairly chaotic the last six years.
2: Next, next year, you go short bus and then shorter bus. Eventually, you get a some, house, some, a van. <laughs> yeah, eventually, a So, van. so we're going to go from public land full
3: size bus, bus to like public land short bus to public land Prius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
4: we figured that out. Yeah. Public. You can do like a little
3: round yurt off
4: the side yeah. of the Prius. Yeah.
2: No, this is yeah. a state land only period. <laughs> 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 this is walking area Prius. This <laughs> is. Yeah. It's
4: cool though what Sam has done because he's taken off, you know, promoting what we all love, but just in such a unique way, yeah, and, and something that you and was it your brother and
3: your buddies yeah. kind of talked yeah. about, and you like, just
4: you f- just went hit the full send button, yeah, and years, went for it,
3: yeah. Because I mean, I I had even talked like the first time that Ben and I ever met, oh, I was yeah. telling him about my I wanted to buy a school like, bus, traveled around <laughs> twenty eight years ago. I don't know, I don't yeah, know, something like that. <laughs> like, but um yeah the bus idea started a long time ago and i was the one dumb enough to buy one <laughs> so no it's i'm just it, i've been uh very happy to see how that project has progressed and like just the following that it has and um i you know i'm just a small voice in the fight to keep public lands public and it's been cool to see kind of people rally behind that and want to do more just because they've been like i've been helping try to help educate people about what's going on.
2: Yeah. yeah I'd like to well, see a behind the bus, like a reality show. Yeah. <laughs> you can line it up. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah.
3: I'm not going to try to find the film crew to take care of that. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, like you say, just bringing awareness to it has elevated people's interest, you yeah. know, and that's what you set out to do. I, you know, I remember when you were talking about it and it's just cool. It's been cool to follow along and, and see your journey and your dedication to driving that, across the country to different places to these events like here i mean the yeah. bus is parked right out here yeah. total archery challenge people can come by and check it out you yeah. know oh, that's awesome
2: it's like yeah. the the, the you, like you just still your passion and your view of the world as we've talked about this before it's like people ask like how do you how do you get to where you were You're like i don't know yeah. i have no idea <laughs> if yeah, i they're... knew i would have just been like got there quicker right <laughs> i would have been there right off the bat but like you, i'm super passionate about this thing I have a mindset where I'm happier when I'm not tied down. Yep. Next thing I know, I have a bus. <laughs> yeah. But that's just this distillation of your passion, as well as the way you view the world and what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And if you chase that thing, and it turns into a, a public lands bus, or it turns into uh, a TV show and, f- and films about conservation, I think those things are all to be admired just for those reasons. Like you've allowed your your journey to lead, you know, to go that way because you want to chase what you, your dreams and you don't allow you don't allow shit to get in front of that no um, yeah
3: and i think you know. i mean like you were saying before i think you once you become kind of hyper focused on one goal i think you start to see the doors that are that open in front of you and you like it's not one decision or another that takes you to that path it's just it's a million small decisions yeah. and like but once you you know you're like you said you're really passionate about one thing and then this opportunity kind of pops up, and you kind of you just yeah. go that way a little bit. And then this opportunity pops
2: up, and you just kind of people see f-
4: that passion, and you meet more people, you shake yep.
3: more hands,
2: and yep. I more doors it. open. Who I, I was talking to about a five year plan, they're like, wow. I was like, Sean DeGray, he's like, here's my five year plan. I was like, listen, man, I don't know. I don't have any five year plans. Because so I feel like if I've, I'm my five year plans out here, and that something awesome is going on you know outside of my purview my five year plan I might miss that shit oh, I've yeah. already made goals too far down the road I just like to have a passion and just like jump into it whatever happens happens yeah because if you try to get yourself into a position where this is how I'm gonna succeed or this is what I need to do you're gonna miss some stuff along the way yeah. that doesn't fit into the plans you made and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have like kind of an overarching goal but yeah. like
3: to have like step by step something laid out like I, that's I tough do, yeah, yeah you might yeah
2: especially in your case yeah I, I,
4: well it's kind of like an analogy would be like you know i was talking to you about some of these photo shoots and i'm like man i feel like these guys that are so worried about being at a time at a certain place and a certain time miss a lot of the best stuff and i think that's like you know relative to what we're talking about if you're only thinking about one thing in one time you're gonna miss a lot of the good stuff it's like Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans, you yeah. know? And so, yeah. it like Sam says, it's great to have, you know, a goal of, oh, I want to, you know, make a, a great uh, footprint for my kids, a foundation, send them to college. You know, you got to have those goals. But to think, like, this is exactly so how I'm this different. needs to happen or it's not going to happen at all. No, I mean, my journey's evolved so many times throughout my short little time of doing this like oh yeah but it just keeps getting better because we're passionate about what we do and you meet other people who are passionate i mean that's what brought everybody in this room together is our passion
2: we're not know? sure what greg what brought <laughs> greg to this room other than the pizza I think the pizza the, like yeah <laughs> and greg yeah he's on the bed but he's got his shoes on yeah <laughs> <laughs> Greg's noncommittal. He's on the well, bed, but has his shoes well, on. Well, they're hanging yeah. off the edge, though. They are hanging off the edge. It's <laughs> polite of him. <laughs> <laughs> hanging off the edge. It's not like he's getting. Was the know,
4: pizza only good enough for one slice? Don't worry. No, just dude, it's, it's
2: double get in there. <laughs> don't, <laughs> yeah, don't be nervous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, because there's a lot of chewing to be had there. That's a lot of animal protein yeah. <laughs> sitting wow. on top that pizza. Extra meat lovers. Yeah, it's a lot of meat on there. What is that? Is that prosciutto? i think that's mouse backstrap (laughs) there's tomato
4: basil there's tomato basil on there because i know every item started with that as if we didn't know
2: that was well here's what we do boys we take some bread we throw it up in the air we put it in the oven (laughs) put some sauce on it a little little bit of cheese after that's up to you
1: (laughs) (laughs) we look at it a whole different
4: way than everybody else pizza works thanks pizza works <laughs> is that what he said?
0: Yeah, we're on a I, police scanner just seeing if they're closing <laughs> in right now. I wish. <laughs> I do wish
3: that's what we were doing is on a CB with truckers, like outside the hotel. Maybe I'll start a
2: podcast where I'm just on a CB with truckers. <laughs> I just record it. That'd be good.
4: Random conversations <laughs> with random truckers.
2: Just convincing truckers, like, pull over, man. <laughs> What's my handle? Ooh. Let me think about that for just a second. Bus God 24-7.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Bus Lord. Bus Lord. Yeah. All right. What were we talking about before? We- oh, we were just
4: talking about, you know, how your passion kind of ends up opening yeah. doors for you. You didn't see it, and leading you in directions you really didn't see. And I, you know, had a pinch myself moment. I was talking to Greg on the drive up from Bozeman and uh, I was like, you know, have thought you know right in my backyard i'm launching a film that's supported by arguably the biggest best companies for what we do right here with yeah. all my peers i'm like how did this happen you know like we're yeah. talking i mean fast forward 10 years and here we are yeah you man. know yeah and i and i'm like you you know i uh when i about uh you know, several years ago, my mom passed away, and I just remember my dad saying, you know, live your life. If you don't have the money for it, who cares? Do it. If you don't have time, plan it and live it because you'll yeah. regret it. Yeah. And that's that's what I do, you know. And obviously, I want to have a way to work things out. if if things don't go right as planned, but I've, I'm all about just committing and yeah. giving it everything you got and it's just
2: never really backfired. Yeah. And there's another thing. I I generally disagree with people saying like, be your best self. Like, ah, fuck you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> listen, I'm going to be a better self than I was yesterday. Like the yeah. only thing that's truly, that you can truly compare yourself is to the person that you just were. Like whether it's last year or 10 years ago or 10 years before that, Like that's really the only thing you can do. Because if you start being like, I got to do this, even as a hunter, like there's, you've hunted a long time. Everybody at this table has hunted since they were kiddos. You're never going to know everything. You're never going to be the best hunter or even the best version of your own, the hunter that you will be. But you'll be, if you're dedicated to it, better than yesterday. And if you're better than yesterday, well, hopefully when you're at the end, you'll be like, damn, that's pretty good. And it was pretty good because I didn't. I didn't try to achieve something, some shiny star. I just was trying to be better than yesterday. Yeah. It's always it was never good enough, which can be torturous, but it also can be pretty damn good. You know, if you get to points where you're at, you're like, dude, I worked and worked and worked, and all of a sudden I looked around, and I was like,
0: holy
2: shit, this is cool. Mm-hmm. Like that moment is worth ten years of work. Yeah. I
4: it, yeah. I mean, you just. It's worth a lifetime, as far as I'm concerned. And what's funny is you keep hitting these moments where you're like, man, life is so good right now. You know, how's it gonna get any better? And then six months from now, you're like, My life is so good right now. How's <laughs> yeah. it gonna get any better? And yeah. then flat, you know, fast forward six years, you're going, dude, yeah, how did this happen? My life, my life is so good. How's it gonna get any better? You know, and it's like yeah. I think that's just you know appreciating things too, yeah. and never taking things for granted i mean i I've lived at you know virtually the base alone mountain my entire life, and I stare at that mountain every second I get a chance, you know, and I think it's appreciating people and opportunities and places and sunsets and smells, and you know, I think that is what keeps people just passionate right to the end you know if you ever take it for granted
2: then i always ask that to people that live in places like bozeman like do you ever just like like yeah there's mountains whatever fine i've seen them every day for the last 20 years like because i can't imagine that ever happening to me you wake up you're like they always look different the lighting changes like
4: in five minutes a different mountain and the cloud i mean it's ever changing
2: yeah i find myself being relieved by the fact that they're there like I wake up and I'm like, they're still there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not dreaming. I'm still in Montana, or I'm still in Colorado. I'm still in wherever, wherever you are. Well, there's there's this beautiful landscape. It doesn't have to be mountains. It could be the ocean.
4: Yeah, I like, mean the badlands is beautiful. The oh yeah, you know the prairies beautiful. It's yeah, it's just appreciation for when I first for moved every to Montana, moment of
3: life and the people around you. You know. Yeah. When I first moved to Montana, I lived with some buddies out in Belgrade and the room, we rented a house and uh, kind of on this new development area and the room that I had faced to the East and I would never shut the curtains because every morning I'd wake up the sunrise coming up over the Bridger mountains. and like, I mean, that's just incredible. Like to be able to just watch that come up. Yeah. So I think, you know, it does happen where you live in one spot for a long time and you start to like, you don't really notice them, but I think it's like we were talking about earlier, you just got to stop and just recognize like what you have, like
2: how cool that is. Well, it's funny because like uh, that stuff changes, right? When you allow it to, because <laughs> oh yeah, Greg, bring it over. Jason, <laughs> <laughs> <gotta> do scout <laughs> <statistics> first. <laughs> He's stretching. Jason wants a chow. Uh, oh, bring it over. Oh, dude, I'm gonna eat one of these wagyu meatball. Gyms. Were you a
4: gymnast? One point in your life,
2: well, it's close enough.
3: Yeah, you get put in <laughs> awkward
2: positions. You, get, you, you got to wear the tights. Let me guess.
3: <laughs>
4: he was in it for the singlet. <laughs> Let me get all oh, ladies.
2: One time I wore boxer shorts in my singlet when I was wrestling. Not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Looked like I was wearing a diaper. Did and then get, you can't <laughs> take your boxer shorts <laughs> off because then you're just straight free <laughs> balling in your singlet. Did you get laughed <laughs> off the mat? Yeah. yeah. I feel like my brother was on the team. And he just, after I was, he's like, holy shit. What are you doing, man? Ah, that's I was like, yeah, they are bunching a little bit. I'm not not going to lie to you. Anyway, back to passion for life. I like how we can switch subjects. These Wagyu meat chunks
3: on this pizza are legit. So who's going to go first and have a piece of pizza? Like, who's going to, like...
2: Dip. I think maybe, Sam, you go, and then Jason and I will describe you eating it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm really going to enjoy this. Yeah, um, dig in. He's going deep. <laughs> he's pulling it out. He looks excited. I am. That's not even that meaty of a piece. I'm a little disappointed in you. That piece oh. beside it is... He could go yeah, burger that style. Oh, he's putting two pieces together. He's sandwiching it. Unbelievable. Nobody saw this coming. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, he's going two pieces at once. Well, that way, yeah, Friends.
4: Then you can less time off the mic, too. Yeah. You're doubling up. You're that's, doubling up. See, Sam's always been a thinker, yeah. and that's what you I love about her, him. You don't get to
2: where Sam, you don't get to like a semi-homeless <laughs> <laughs> Instagram star by, <laughs> by just not being an innovator. That's true. Sam, Thank give you. us a halftime update. You're halfway through. What's up? Oh. How you feeling? This is delicious.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that is true. You don't get
2: to where I am without having lots of ideas. (laughs) 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 Lots of good and bad. Some good, some bad. Lots of good, (laughs) bad ideas. This probably be a good time to uh, talk about conservation, um, particularly sheep hunting and hunters, because I want to talk to as many people as I can about this, especially yourself, and some people like Gray Thornton who who. He's the CEO. Is it CEO president Yeah, president, CEO. And, president and CEO, CEO of the Wild Chief Wild Foundation. Chief. He's a good man. Who um is? and we'll podcast with him later this week. Um take we got one guy eating pizza. We got one guy. <laughs> Jason's taking a break to drink his his beer. I'm, Sam's I'm about listening, though. Sam's I'm about two thirds of the way. Yep. My people are riveted right now. Guaranteed. So, they should be. <laughs> they should be. This is special. Uh pizza works i i feel like i have myself am not conflicted on sheep hunting sheep hunters and conservation like there's some nuanced things that i that i've had to think through over my time and 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 seeing kind of what conservation does for the animal but also separated from the motivation the general motivation of the regular sheep hunter you know and the fact that sheep hunting is expensive it's it's for a small amount of people and uh, can be labeled as elitist if you'd like to think about it that way. So I imagine I say all that to say, like, my question is, if somebody were to say to you, all sheep hunters are trophy hunters and the conservation is some kind of veiled attempt to, you know, allow trophy hunting to continue, but just pay into conservation as a way to, you know, shield your true intent, what would you tell them?
4: Well, you know, I'd tell them that uh, they should thank everybody for the efforts that have been done because there's been nobody else out there doing a damn thing. I would tell them that 70% of all funding for sheep, uh, for wild sheep in North America, is funded by the Wild Sheep Foundation. And you know, I didn't understand until recently talking to Gray, talking to Kevin Hurley. Wild sheep cannot, they're not a hardy enough animal to live on their own through the um, the system that's put in place by state and federal agents, agencies right now. There's not enough funding that comes in for the demand needed. To keep and put wild sheep on the mountain. They're an expensive animal. You know, and I tell people all the time, like, you would like to believe that, you know, it's all just God's creation when you drive down the road and you see a deer off the side or you see a bighorn sheep, uh, you know, sign flashing on the side. But, man, there's a lot of, a lot of human, you know. Interaction to make sure those animals are there and and wild sheep are the pinnacle of that. Um you know, I would say you're right in the fact that I do think a lot of people look at it as expensive and elitist, but dude, look at me. I mean, I'm not rich by any means. And I've had the opportunity to hunt those beautiful things twice in my life by putting in my what's it cost now in Montana? Like 10 bucks application. Yep. I mean unfortunately like my biggest expense was film permits
2: yeah
4: you know for the whole entire thing um so it's like to say you've got you know you've got to have uh you got to buy the sheep tag for hundreds of thousands of dollars well thank goodness there are men out there with that kind of opportunity to do that but no you don't need to be that i mean yeah and the wild sheep continues to be innovative in the way they like the less than one club, oh, you know, you become a member of the less than one club. That's about your best opportunity to draw a sheep tag in your life.
2: And I always make a joke that it's less a joke and more a reality that you go to the wild sheep convention, which is this like awesome, fun, it's so just fun. great celebration of of that community <clears> of people. <throat> you just like go to the urinal, taking a piss, you're like, you're entered to win a sheep hunt. You like go around the corner, like ah, another sheep hunt. You entered to win. You're like, really, this is if it was elitist, it wouldn't be this. Yeah, there and people
4: be... you know are winning yeah, these hunts it's... and that's what gets you there. And yeah. And, and yeah, no, and beyond you know, the state draws and, and all that, there is the wild sheep and there are those opportunities. I mean, I'm a member, I'm a lifetime member of the Wild Sheep Foundation. Just for that, they draw sheep on every year for a life member. You know, when you look at those odds pretty good out. pretty good odds better then,
2: than the montana then oh, totally
4: <laughs> i mean and then i'm a member of the montana wild sheep foundation they draw a sheep hunt every year for a life member then i'm a member of the chadwick ram society which for every 250 dollars you donate to chadwick ram society your name's put in the hat to win a stone sheep hunt so you know say what you will but I'm an active participant in as much of this. I put in for Wyoming. I put in for other states. You know, I'm an active participant. There's a lot of upfront cost with some of this, but man, it pays dividends on into the future. You know, and and um, getting back to wild sheep, I mean, they're just so fragile. Um, Without the funding that came in through the, you know, the wild sheep and these tag sales that are auctioned off every year. You know, our opportunities as Montana residents, you know, would just dwindle. We've got 126, I think, tags right now that we can draw for. And without the, say, half a million dollars every year that comes in from these sales, you yeah. know, it would go to whatever, 100 tags and then 75 tags and then 50. And so I always try to, have these conversations with as many people as I yeah. can and say, look, don't hate on that guy, man. Without that guy, we wouldn't even have the chance to put in for
2: these areas. Yeah, of, and to oh, your to your yeah. point, it's easy to say, you look at that one tag that went for half a million bucks, and be like, oh, well, no regular hunter can get that. But to your point, you live in Montana, you live in places where sheep are present, you have chances. You know, there are limited chances, as they should be, because the animal is fragile. And, you know, these are biologists, wildlife biologists calling shots. Here's how many you can kill this year. Yeah. And so I think that's that's a point that needs to be made. Well, one thing I always, you know, also ran into this, I had another person write in specifically about sheep hunting that said, uh, it's an old white man's game
1: For all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where Land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. I was like,
2: What are you talking about?
1: It's an old white man's game. And it, uh,
2: it went back to the money thing. It was like, well, just rich guys can do it. Only rich guys can do it. That's all it is. Just rich guys. Like, one you need those rich guys for but two it's not that's not true. I mean
4: I've only ever lived in Montana my whole life. I know of other opportunities and things but to get to it, Montana has an has unlimited sheep areas. If you put in you will get the sheep tag you can go sheep hunting
3: every now one year.
4: every single year once that quote has been met now if you kill a ram, you're taken out for your seven years. but You can go hunt sheep with a tag in your pocket every single year in Montana if that's what you want to do. And once those one or two rams are killed in those units, they shut it down. But, you know, <laughs> that is not a rich man's sport. I know so many people, not, a, not so many, but, you know, a good grip of people out of Bozeman that do that unlimited thing every year, and they love it. They love the challenge. They love to just know they hold the sheep tag. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I mean, instead was, of saving up for 10 years to go on one sheep hunt. They can hunt every year. Yeah. You're going to look sheep hunt at rams. every single they year. They can
4: make stocks. They can, you know, yeah. they can be sheep hunting. You know, you live in uh, like British Columbia residents can hunt sheep every single year. Oh, yeah, for sure. Alaska yeah. residents have a lot of great opportunities to hunt sheep. So, I mean, it's, how bad do you want it? Yeah. You know, don't say that. Move you, to Alaska. You, Move
3: to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I love, whoa, whoa, whoa! Sorry. I mean, yeah, it just fine. takes.
4: Yeah, sheep aren't everywhere in North America, and that's the biggest challenge. I True. wish they were. I wish Wild Sheep Foundation wishes they were. You know, they're such an awesome animal. Once you have the chance to spend time with them, you're like, man, if more people had the time to spend with these things, they'd, they'd love them. They'd, they'd care about them more you know
0: because yeah. well, they're
4: for everybody they're not just for the guy that draws
2: the tag they're everybody's to enjoy yeah you know what is it about you know if you look at the you know if you're just judging what's on their heads and the charismatic nature of the animal you'd pick something else like, yeah wild sheep are in the terrain they live in is is magnificent but the animal that they are you can find something with a bigger set of antlers on top of its head. you certainly find something that's you know that in the rut is a little more <laughs> interesting to hunt. Like, do you think if if wild sheep
3: did some sort of a bugle or a roar, like a elk well, or Well, I don't stang, know, though. The butt
4: in the head thing, that, that is, is pretty, pretty, pretty damn yeah. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. When is, we
3: got to see that when we were scouting in August, I mean, of all, it wasn't even close to the rut, and they were still clashing heads. Like, that was pretty cool. That no, I had no idea how far that noise carried. It just pops. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we were looking man. at sheep that were over a mile away. And it was like someone sat next to you and clapped their hands. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah so, I mean, when, when that's that's just it, like I spent so much time with them this fall, I gained a whole new respect for him. Like, you say this until you have a chance to be around them. And then they're, it's like watching a college rugby team out on Main Street down at the bars <laughs> every night. Like, it's like, I feel like it's watching like the men of men of nature. Like they are always fighting. They're always like pushing on each other. They're always like kicking each other in the balls. They're always doing just messing with each other and they're they're just like bodybuilders out there, you know.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I bring that all up just because it's annoying to me that some of the things you hear. Being a kid from the East Coast, like that's how that's how it's portrayed it's like sheep hunters the western elitist way sure yeah um and for anybody listening just just freaking listen do your research and understand and and also understand that there there's a deeper reason why people appreciate sheep the way they do it's not just because they got big curling horns coming out of their heads because again there are many animals that are that are you know if you're just looking at the look of an animal or feel of an animal, there are many animals that are just as impressive. Mm-hmm. I would say I've hunted caribou and elk and mule deer, and all of them are equally as impressive and you bet. equally impressive terrain. So having never sheep hunted, I would lean on guys like yourself to explain to people like there is this innate feeling around those animals because one they are so delicate, two their habitat is so delicate. Um. And there's such, a, you know, there's such a rarity that they do become this, like, hunting royalty that should be a little bit above, you know, all the other things you might go chase. Yeah.
4: I mean, yeah, I don't know what the answer to saying that it's just uh, an old white man's game, I guess. Probably yeah, just more where they live. Yeah. And just, you know, you look at regions of populations and that's just where they live, you know. Yeah. I think if they lived in more places, they'd be viewed differently. But unfortunately, they're so fragile. They take such a specific habitat need to make it that there's just not tons of those areas in North America. And trust me, like Wild Sheep, Kevin, all those guys work really hard to try to find the best areas to move new populations in, to open up new tag opportunities. Um, It says it in the film, and don't quote me, but. You know, it's basically just under $5,000 a sheep. Yeah. Like they that. pay sheep back on the to move yeah.
2: them. Yeah. 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 I mean, and translocation just in and of itself, the things that they've done. I mean, I think the stories are well told on the elk populations in Kentucky, Pennsylvania, places mm-hmm. like that. sheep, less so. I mean, to some extent, but less, you know, really less storied than those places. Yeah. Um, and you've seen a lot, like your film's coming out. There's a film that I work with Ben Masters and Adam Foss and Charles Post on about reintroducing uh, those same sheep to Texas in their native range. And um, you learn a lot from that. You learn that we are the reason that they're not here anymore. And so why not, you know, of all, and it's not just hunters. Hunters didn't kill all the sheep in Texas. Uh, He's like ranchers that put domestic sheep there and spread disease. Well, yeah. really you know then you got habitat fragmentation and different things like that to go on so it's not just a hunter going in and killing them or not just market hunters right. killing there's a lot of things that uh, that cause that to happen so you gotta understand that you know as much as we're at fault how many groups other than hunters have taken up the charge to to put these things back where they belong and to care for them
4: well that's just it I mean that's why I say like to people's that say it's selfish. I mean, I think, you know, there maybe is a little bit of selfish aspect to every bit of wildlife conservation, but, you know, like we said in Project Elk, we shouldn't apologize for it. Look at what it's done. Look at what the numbers have done. Look, there's no other system in place. There's no other better conservation method across the world. And it's not just hunters who get to enjoy them. Everybody who drove up and down the Gallatin Canyon today got to enjoy that. Yeah. So, you know, there is always a little bit of self-servingness with it, but it's not for big animals. It's not for, you know, it, it's just for the greater good of the herds and making sure that <laughs> that when my kids' kids have a chance to drive up the Gallatin Canyon, hopefully they get to experience the same thing we did. Yeah, And yeah. You know, it's, it's habitat, you know, we, we live in a world where everything's at our fingertips and everything is manufactured and fake. And well, habitat's not, and it can't be manufactured. And when it's gone, it's gone. And, uh, that's why it's awesome that Sam and, and is you know, this awareness to make sure that, yeah. you know, keep the public lands we have public because we got it pretty damn good right here, better than anybody else. And. It'd be a shame to see all that go away.
2: Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's not, we're like, not worried about roads going away. Like, ah, oh, man, check the roads. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. But if, when wilderness goes away, sure, we could likely get it back, but it won't be the same. You know, as soon as it's fracked, as soon as it's mined, as soon as it's, it, that resource has changed forever. And totally. how many, how many of the things that we talk about, you know, Sam can can tell you this, especially from, uh, you know, your family's political background. Mm-hmm. It's like, how many times are we blind to the fact that we are fixing a problem that we created? You know, we're even in the hunting community. We say like we're celebrating this thing, but it's only because we fucked it up. Not we, but three generations of humans ago. Yeah,
4: just un- unregulation and
2: yeah, yeah. It's
4: not knowing how fragile the resource truly was. Absolutely.
2: Know? Yeah. And so I think that's like when you talk about fragile habitat, that's where it's like the reality is. A forest fire burns through a place and you're like, oh, I see. Oh, crap. I see. Yep. Glaciers recede. Yep. Yeah. Go up to Glacier National Park and watch that go down. You're like, whoa, I get this now. That's a tangible way to understand this the change.
4: Totally. You know? Well, a forest fire is different than a glacier. Sure, absolutely, one hundred percent. Absolutely. Not to like, not that you don't know that, but like, forest fires are painful to watch and to see this beautiful landscape get ripped apart. But then you are like, well, it's the best thing back. for
0: it. Yeah, it's the best yeah. thing for it. Yeah, yeah. it's almost yeah.
2: the op- It's almost the natural opposite of a glacier because yeah. that glacier is likely in our in our time
3: not coming back. Exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah. The, the fact that Glacier National Park.
3: Won't have any glaciers at some point.
2: Yeah, and they're <laughs> and they're actively like saying that to folks. Like, yeah, hey, come on over. You got about three years. <laughs> and it's you know, yeah, going to be some ice cubes up there, or something like that, right? But yeah, all, but all those things are just signified the the way the landscapes change mm-hmm. and the For way that sure. we should be as humans. We should be like, well, oh, let's identify those changes and figure out how we can do it, mm-hmm. yeah. which is a good way that sheep hunters have have taken it up. they like we we desire to to chase and kill. The most mature animal. In fact, we've just, dis- we've, we now understand how to, and you spent a lot of time studying this, as you were saying. We now understand how to figure that out, how to figure out by looking at an animal exactly how old it is. And then our our state wildlife biologists have told us it's got to be that old. If not, that's, a, that's, yeah. a, that's as illegal as shooting a, a one year old. For sure. And so all those things, I think, are, just a big part of why i've heard more negative about sheep hunting that i care to count and it just irks me every time so like if you just just stop and listen and look and read you'll soon come to find that the easily marketable four hundred eighty thousand dollar tag is not any part of the story it's one tiny little part of it that can easily be flipped but what can't be easily flipped is what Gray Thornton and the Wild Sheep Foundation are doing and what you're helping promote. Yeah, for sure.
4: Now it's a collaborative effort for sure. And it's, it's cool to see. I mean, yeah, sheep at one time were, you know, as far as we could tell, were in the millions in population and then like way down in the, you know, 50,000 to 70,000 somewhere in there. And, and once we recognized how fragile they were and started putting this conservation foot forward and started relocating animals. And I mean, we're, we're uh, threefold where we were only 20, 30 years ago on sheep population. So, yeah, I mean, unregulated hunting, disease spread from uh, domestic livestock, yeah. a lot of things played that factor. But, you know, I just don't think we understood how fragile everything was even 30 years ago you know you start to realize how everything how big of an impact
3: it has when you do change even one thing yeah 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 Yeah. and And it it is up to all of us to take care of it and well the romantic idea is just to let everything self-regulate right you'd like you'd you'd like to believe that nature can just take care of itself but that would be excluding us from nature and so you always have to realize that because we're part of it and because we have screwed things up, oh. like, we need to do a lot to help fix that problem. Even though, 50 years from now, we might go, remember when we thought we fixed that problem? Well, we screwed this up. Now we got to fix that. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's going to happen. You look back at every yeah, generation. Sure.
2: every generation of humans looks back at the other generation like, ah, idiots. Yeah. Smoking <laughs> while pregnant? <laughs> Dummies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, every generation looks back.
2: Yeah. And so, if we were smart enough we could identify the things we're doing right now that would a couple of years from now you look back and be like oh yeah, I
0: definitely dummies. should not have done that prescription yeah.
2: medicine and fast food you guys
3: are dumb why were you doing that Yeah. <laughs> I think, idiots I think that's the cool part about conservation conservation organizations like wild sheep is it I think all of them are now more forward thinking when they start to implement plans of you know whether it be habit, habitat restoration or you know whatever it might be I think they're Starting to look a lot, you know, looking to the past and what we've done wrong, and then looking way further in the future, of, like what we need to do to get there. So,
2: yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a good time to shift to another film that you guys did together this time. Well, I guess you, the other film was together as well, but um, was called Both Sides of the Fence. Yeah, what, what was the official title? Other Side of the Fence, both sides. Yeah, both sides of the fence. Yeah, um, Sam, tell me
3: what that was about. So, we did a collaboration. Um. A little bit surrounding the
2: bus project, a little bit surrounding, um, you know. Jason's like, going to go to the, the user facilities and I'm going <laughs> to eat a piece of pizza while Perfect, Sam. I'm gonna, I'll start talking. Give me about three minutes to eat this pizza,
3: Sam. I, and I can go. handle that. Yeah, so we did a collaboration to um, kind of talk about what I was up to with the bus project and public lands and the importance of public lands. And then combining that with the issue of... Um, Kind of where, kind of where we've gone in the hunting industry today. That anytime somebody you know takes an animal, everyone always asks the question, "Well, was that public or private?" And this kind of infighting that we have now, like that, some for some reason, you know, shooting in the same animal on private land doesn't mean as much as shooting an animal on public land. And so we wanted to dive into that a little bit and and kind of look at it from both. Well, I mean both sides of the fence the name of the film but we wanted to look at it from both angles and show that we need public land and we need private land and both need to coexist together because without private land you have no uh a lot of times you wouldn't have a sanctuary for herds of animals um late season you wouldn't have sanctuary for animals when you know gun season start or you know when there's a lot of hunters entering the woods during archery season um, you have a lot of animals shift on to places where they can stay safe. Uh, the herd can grow bigger, but you also need public land for people to be able to access, um, enjoy, you know, the things that are like you know, people like Teddy Roosevelt and stuff have put in place, but also to uh, access those places and manage the herds, um, and you can do that without paying anything it's just being a US citizen or being I mean just coming here you have access to all of that land. So we wanted to look at it from both angles and and show that both are important and we need both and it's not like it doesn't matter if you hunt private land or public land. It doesn't matter if you hunt with a gun or a boat. It doesn't matter, you know, whatever you do it's just what you do and yeah. it all needs to coexist together. Do you imagine that just the cuz public land has become super trendy. Yeah. Yeah, super trendy. Like, it, part of that is good, and part of that is bad. Be, you know. Oh, we've we've we've
2: seen, you know, real. I mean, all. I'm heavily involved with BHA. Obviously, yep. you are. Yep. Uh, obviously, you're involved with Wild Sheep and RMF and, and BHA and a bunch of other uh, organizations. Like everybody sitting at this table has. Hey, we have a little street cred when it comes to this conversation but there's plenty of people who are just trying to sell widgets by stamping public lands on them because people will buy it yeah which like you said it's not the worst thing in the world certainly not something i would lobby against but it is something that i would bring up like hey let's have this conversation in in an honest way this public lands cool because it's a great feeling because it's nice like public lands it's all of ours it's great it's american freedom (laughs) or are we willing to roll our sleeves up and go to work on it? Like what, what public land means. So I I appreciate that idea about let's understand the totality of, especially even driving down the Gallatin river, you go from private land to national forest in the Canyon, driving up the big sky.
4: Yeah. I mean, anywhere you go in Montana, that's what you encounter. And I think that's why it gave us a chance to, we've, dealt with it our whole lives i mean there is places you can go and different animals require different hunts you know um but we've dealt with checkerboarded properties we've dealt with property lines we've dealt with you know and thank goodness for on x to be able to really yeah. allow us to know exactly where we're at so we don't end up on the wrong side of where we shouldn't be or whatever but it uh Yeah, I think it's, it's just, and when you grow up around the farmers and the ranchers and, and, you know, you're part of them, they're part of you in the community and you see what good they do and, you know, you see what good people they are, you know, all private land is different. And we made that point in the film. It's not all going to be like going and hunting, like the white mountain Apache Indian reservation or these places, you know, like, uh. Ted Turner's ranch just down at the base of the Gallon Canyon that's got great hunting. I mean, I think the misconception is a lot of people think, oh, private land. It's uh, There's just big stuff. There's just animals everywhere. The opportunity is abundant. And when you live in a place like Montana, you have this grand scale of private land, just like public land,
0: Mm -hmm.
4: where, I mean, I know private land that the fact that you can drive everywhere and the, can, the fact that you can, you know, and these people allow anybody to come and hunt. I mean, it is far worse off than just walking a little ways onto public. I'll get into way more stuff there, you know. So just to say you're on private doesn't mean there's just vast herds <laughs> like the Savannah out there when you walk out now there are ranches that are but there's this whole sliding scale in the middle some allow 100 some allow 500 some allow the family some you know i mean and it's all different and trust me like hunting public land in montana is the same i've got great public land spots and i've got spots that used to be good that aren't and it's just constantly shifting and i think if you look at you know the success of a hunt or the quality of a hunt by what side of the fence that animal is standing on i i just i yeah you i, I don't want to say you're missing it cuz everybody's out there for different reasons but man that's not why i'm there i'm yeah. there to enjoy the experience i'm there to learn about the animals submerse myself in their world hear the elk bugles smell the smells get these close encounters and man i'll tell you it, it's never <laughs> When you get close to an elk, my heart beats just the damn same, no matter what side of the fence that thing yeah, is man. on.
2: If you're you know? somehow calmed at the moment that elk's is in your face, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> we got to talk. Like, yeah. You may be a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, for we sure. need to talk because that is a that's a you know that's a gut and like just... and like
4: we it comes down to a numbers game too. I mean. Our percentage is a population is so low now we're almost irrelevant in society, sadly enough. And when you look at, I think the most recent number we could come up with was from 2013, a study that was done on the number of private land versus public. And at that time, I think the number was 13.4 million hunters in the U.S., and of those 13.4, only 1.2 million of them hunted exclusively on public, public land. Yeah. So if we're going to break it down to you're only a real hunter if you hunt on public land exclusively, yeah. and we want to cast aside the other 12.2 million <laughs> well, of us. I think people I mean, that
2: hunt on public lands exclusively are elitist. They're, you know, it's only 1.2 million of you. You got your little club. You won't let anybody else in. You're assholes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> just <Less> the facts
4: <laughs> well it's just you know like uh i was having a good friend a uh, conversation with a good friend of mine the other day david brinker we all know him and he goes how would you look at me am i a private land hunter or a public land hunter and i said you do both he goes exactly i think that's going to be so many people you ask but it's yeah. become so trendy and so uncool to not say DIY, did it myself, public land, 14 miles in, basically killed myself. I just don't get it. You know, I look at guys like my dad who have been doing it forever. Are we just not going to call him a hunter now because yeah, he no. can't hike into the back country and kill an elk? I'd be I like, mean, dude, I that guy smoke. has forgot more about I hunting. I just
2: six cigars during this private land. <laughs> <life. laughs> <laughs> my lungs are killing me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I could barely make it. No, I... It's a good it's an interesting topic because it, it comes back to that purity score we were talking about again like I've hunted on some private land where I, I, I felt like the scenario was such that I should have done more work to earn the thing that I got. So that's one thing that's one private land that's a little bit more prevalent on private land than it is on public land just because the nature of the thing you bet. but but if you have an ideal and you go out in the, in the on the mountain or in the woods and say this is the thing that I'm looking for, here's my 10 out of 10 purity score, and I'm going to go after it. You'd be foolish to be like, I'm only going to do public land. I'm only going to do... You'd be foolish if the opportunity comes up to achieve the thing you're looking for. Who the hell cares? Who owns it? Right? Who cares? Like I said, it's easier to have reverence for public land because it is such a, you know majestic idea and it's an American ideal and all the things like that. That it's is beautiful. beautiful. But I mean, so it is, is private land. So is homesteading. So is setting out and, and being lucky enough to find some land and being lucky enough to then own that land and grow that land and, and manage that land and, and have a wonderful herd of animals on that land and then being able as the landowners to select who gets to enjoy that privilege. That's just as, as beautiful. So
4: well, like, I'm with you guys. Like Shane... Mahoney mm. has said before told us in Phoenix that you know he's like private land is the new frontier for conservation. And I think that's just about as simple and clean as yeah. he is so good at doing. Yeah. That you could say it because you think about what if we were only given say we just like completely eliminate private land guys from the equation and we're only given public lands to manage our wildlife on i mean that'd be a disaster to try to get everybody on the same page oh boy well it's you just know. not possible like so what you know it i'll tell you though you know you're right there's this level there is nothing more rewarding yes than busting your ass for what you get now that's not to be said you can't do that on private yes, land. That's, I think
2: there's there's <laughs> yeah. where the issue comes. Like it's at the end of the day, you, it's how you feel. Yeah. About what's happened there. Like I said, I've had some some private land hunts that were guided that I felt like, man, this okay. Yep. I'm glad I get to solve this place and, and I, I'll get to eat this animal's flesh and it's all good. All that's good. Well, like my purity score is like a four yeah you just didn't feel like you really earned it yeah poorly. and i didn't get a sense of the place really a sense of the animal like i thought i should have
4: that's the yeah. way i felt when i hunted africa yeah i was just so I. there the and there's animals running everywhere you have no idea wh- where they bed where water yeah. is where they feed what yeah. they feed on what times of day they like to move you're just i'm completely lost I, yeah. And was it an awesome experience with my dad? Was it like trip of a lifetime? Hell yeah, it was. But was like the sense that I got from killing my kudu the same as you know Sam and I busting our ass to get a shot at an elk? It's not that same. You know, you just you don't feel like you earned it because you didn't understand yeah. why you're there. Yeah, you're put there because
2: well, it's like hunting in a Walmart. They're like, well, down aisle four is the kudu. <laughs> they're like, well, fuck that. I'd like to just walk around and find one. They're like, well, now we go drive over to the giraffe paddock. <laughs> <laughs> there's no fences, but the fuckers, they're right over there. Tall trees. <laughs> they tend to like tall trees. Well, <laughs> And there's only seven of them. <laughs> but like, that's that's how I felt hunting in Africa. I felt the same way. I just felt like I was hunting in some kind of damn like, marketing ploy. Yeah. In certain it's parts. Now, not all of Africa. Africa is is a damn continent. Uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so yeah. We don't talk about, I always say like we don't talk about North America like that. Like ah, true. North America hunt, that son of a bitch. Yeah. Um yeah, where but, I was was it just didn't give me that. Yeah, I was sense. same way. And not that, you know, there's places on the Caribbean strip where you feel like you're in it, man. Um but where I was is like, well. Okay. I see like and you may you been to New Zealand at all? I have not. That's bucket list, though. Well, Sam and I know a spot. Yes, we do. <laughs> I could check that thing off. Like Sam and I have been down there in, in Africa and New Zealand, especially. seem to me like they have harvested like the worst ideals of our hunting culture and just sold it back to us. They're just like, hey, you wanna, you're in Africa. You want to come kill a list of creatures that you have no idea about and will learn nothing about, really, unless you really push us? Come on. We'll sell you each one. Each one of them has a cost fact, and you can kill as many as you want. Uh, conservation, I don't know what you're talking about with that. New Zealand, same way. Like, hey, come kill a 500-inch red stag. That's what you're here to kill. And I think less Africa, more New Zealand in that sense. New Zealand has this, like, breadth of public places, and even private ranches where you can have great experiences. That what's sold to you is not quite what's there mm-hmm. you know, in africa they just they the entire thing is to value the animals through the dollars so they are selling 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 up upselling selling again to get that value right which is important to them so both those places like you're kind of they kind of oversell what's there and you can't you gotta kind of erase that and get down to the freaking actual you know what's actually happening to To, for me, get the purity score high enough to enjoy the damn thing. Right, yeah, for sure.
4: Yeah, it's a business to them. They got a certain amount of time to run people through, and they've figured out how to do it, you know. You don't get to spend 28
3: days on the mountain with an animal (laughs) trying to figure them out, you
4: know. Yeah, or
3: or 21 days and not shoot something. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
4: which was my elk season, our elk season, I
3: should say. Yeah.
2: yeah, I don't think people realize how long twenty-one days hunting is. That's long. It's long. That's it's long. That yeah.
4: is. Yeah, but you just keep thinking. You know, it's like golf. Like, ah, I just didn't wasn't putting good today. But tomorrow, if I get yeah. the putting down, best uh, round. Ah, day life.
2: twenty. <laughs> <laughs> it's my twentieth <20th> Masters.
4: Yeah, I want to get the girl. I to get the green jacket this time. <laughs> Eventually, it's all going to come together. Just one day.
2: Yeah, you, <laughs> that's what keeps you. Wake you out up at four you know? in the morning. Yeah. You're like, well. <laughs> day 19 that's it. <laughs> it's
4: like a lion okay. hunting i had you know one year i remember i was in it like 23 days straight checking canyons and no tracks and i'm like i can't stop <laughs> i mean if i miss one day that's going to be the day he crosses and i'm going to miss it and it just kept going and going and going and finally we ended up getting, finding the cat but <laughs> man you just get in this groove of like i'm so committed yeah and I, you know, we've put all this in and we do have more time and there just might be that chance it, yeah, the rut, you know, might be winding down, but you find that one bowl yep.
2: and it's just those little things that just keep you wanting to chase it right to the end. But that's you know? the difference between, you know, not good and bad, but that's just the difference between that ultimate, like you have that persistent nature throughout your entire hunting life, you're eventually going to stumble into some greatness you know for sure at least what's perceived greatness you know some giant animal somewhere because you were there and nobody else was or you know that's Mm -hmm.
4: yeah i've always said like i'm not like successful because i'm the greatest hunter and make all the best moves i just it's just time in the field and eventually things come together you know
2: yep and being lucky enough to yeah have that time in the field yeah that's 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 something not a lot of people get yeah yeah for sure i i don't take it for granted no, either. No, me either. Well, this pizza is well cold, but it's still it needs <laughs> it's to be still eaten. looks so good. I know, It's starting <laughs> to look like sheep meatballs <laughs> on top of that. Same way, we got uh, Renella likes to call them "concluders." Sam, do you have any uh, uh, conclusions from this uh, conversation?
3: I feel like we covered. I mean, we we went real deep just on life. Uh, we covered yeah. a lot of stuff about conservation. I think kind of the takeaway from this whole thing is just. Well, I mean, on the life side, like just find what you're passionate about and go after it and just keep allowing those opportunities to happen. And on the conservation side of things, I think what we're trying to do a good job of is just raise awareness about the possibilities for people to be involved in this type of thing. And now the next step is for everybody listening to go out there and do a little research on their own and just become part of the solution to helping, you know, make herds better and make hunting better. and um help the community as a whole the hunting community as a whole come together i think that's the next step for them like we can't do it we can you know talk we can beat you know beat it to death like people need to be involved but it comes down to the every person individually you know going out there and doing what they need to do to yeah save these types of things for future generations
2: give what you can you may not have all the money or all the time but give the money and the time that you can that's right whether it's tiny little bits here and there every every amount counts Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes down to the analogy, like, you know,
4: when I was a little kid, if I were to, like, want to take a rock or a stick or something, my mom would say, what if everybody in the world took a stick? Would there be any sticks left? You know, and it's just, it's kind of the same thing. What if everybody in the world just did a little bit, make a huge difference? You know, that's, that's it. And, and uh, I just feel lucky to be here. Appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys. And it's been a pleasure. And really looking forward to the rest of the weekend.
2: Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, uh, this is Thursday. We're into, we're damn near into Friday morning now. We have, have we, we have crossed, crossed into, yep. yeah. We've crossed into Friday morning. So tomorrow evening, uh, we'll be debuting your Circle of Life film Saturday. Well, Saturday. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. It is tomorrow. Well, yeah, well all right. right. You're,
3: yep, right. Yep, you're on. Yeah. What's, <laughs> up? What's up? It's
2: up now. <laughs> you got it. You got it. I get the last piece of pizza. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We'll be de- debuting that here in Big Sky. Um, And so by the time people hear this, that'll have already happened. But uh, it's going to be a good event and happy to. And there again, it's just another opportunity to bring people together, celebrate a thing that we do that's pretty unique to this place and time. You know, this time, because conservation is still fairly new to our humanity. And so is uh, this model of conservation that we have. It's fairly unique to this world that we live in. So um, thank you, boys, for being a part of that pretty damn cool yeah yeah feel lucky greg any concluders from you <laughs> greg is full now his shoes are on the bed <laughs> <laughs> he is checked out all right thanks to pizza works we're going deep <laughs> bye thank you that's it that's all episode number 21 in the books Thanks to Jason Matt Singer, thanks to Sam Soho, thank you to our boy in the background, Greg, for hanging out, eating pizza late night here in Big Sky. It was a fun conversation, it's what I live for, it gets me pumped up, smart people, drinking beer, having a good conversation, uh, and thankfully we get to record it. So, episode number 21, hope you like. Uh, episode number 22, we're going to be here in Big Sky again, David Wise, Olympic gold medal skier in the half pipe. And then you've got Giannis Metellus from the Meteor Crew and Sam Somal joins us once again for episode number 22. But before we go this time, I just want to say one thing. In the last episode with Charles Post, episode number 20, we mentioned uh, at the very end briefly that I would be moving to Montana. Now, some folks thought I might be kidding or some folks thought that it might be hopeful, but turns out it's true. I'm moving to Bozeman, Montana in the coming months. Um, It's a big step for me and my family. We're moving from Texas to Montana. We're excited about that big step. And there's other big announcements to come soon. Uh, What will be the future of the Hunting Collective and really my career as well. Some exciting things. Uh, Hopefully everyone will stick with us as we make those changes that are really only helpful to the podcast and to the platform and the message. Uh, Hopefully it will be exciting to you as it is to me. So we'll keep talking about it next time on the Hunting Collective. See you. Mm -hmm.
1: Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries.